I'm gonna take a little walk. Was it the boogeyman? I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Are you sure? How? I killed him. You can't kill the boogeyman. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's Friday again. It is. It's another week. Another spooktacular week. Yeah, good on us. Good on us. We had a last minute Hail Mary of like, wait, 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 wait. Halloween week has not passed. Halloween's on Saturday. Our show comes out on Monday. You know. Yeah. yeah let, it, let it keep going. I think you were probably, look, you were probably right when you said, I think it might stop straight after the date of Halloween. You know how certain. Well, this is what I think we're fighting against. Because mm. I used to work at Big W, uh-huh. like a Walmart for the mm-hmm. 30%, 35%. Mm-hmm. And um, my job, which was very depressing because you'd work on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, I had to take all the signage down, the Christmas signage, oh. and turn it to back to school signage. So even before oh. Christmas Day, it felt like Christmas was over. So I say any any brand or retail experience that continues the Christmas the carols, joy, the, and magic. The, things, the magic and the beyond the 26th, I salute. There is because there's an official date, isn't there? Well, I think it's New Year's, I think. I think isn't that when you take down your Christmas 7th? tree? Yeah. So it just no, makes sorry, you. 7th of January is Orthodox Christmas, isn't it? Maybe. But the 12 days of Christmas probably go up till definitely yeah. past the 25th. The point is it's like when you're face-to-face with the commercial reality of these holidays, it's very depressing. Yeah. So that's what we're against. Let's yeah. continue the Halloween week mm. into the week that follows Halloween mm. with a movie called Halloween. Yeah, and chances are you're still eating your candy. Yeah, you're still eating your candy. If you're into the whole Halloween. 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 <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. I feel like you're just reverting to your oh, Irish Halloween. Halloween. Oh, another potato for your Halloween sack there. Ah, Bruce actually brought home a potato man from preschool today. Do they make jack-o'-lanterns out of potatoes? No, he brought – it had nothing to do with Halloween. Oh, like a Mr. Potato Head? It was a, Mr. P- a potato head with like little toothpick arms and a separate head with googly eyes. That's so mad. And then it's going to fall behind the shelf or then 12 months from now you're going to have a monster creature growing out from behind. Yeah. That happened to me in the spud gun era. Did it? Yeah, you remember spud guns? Yeah, of course. Potato fell on the back of the shelf and I was cleaning my room, you know, as I did once every few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I discovered this alien-like object. Um, It was a spud thumb. (laughs) It was was a potato that had been in the dark and had done what potatoes do and grown Grown. legs and things and a conscience. Did it turn into a real boy? Yeah. Potato Noki or (laughs) Noki. That's where Noki came from. That's where Noki came from. You heard it here first. Hey, but it has been a spectacular week. I've been keeping you up to date. I've watched a lot of scary movies this week. I watched uh, Halloween, obviously. Keep going. I-, I watched the 2007 reboot of Halloween. I'll talk about that boy later. Wow. I watched the 2018 sequel that ignores the other sequel of Halloween. Wow. I edited the video on Nightmare on Elm Street mm, origin story bastard. for the YouTubes. Fuck you, asshole. Side note, go to the Pop Critic yeah. on YouTube, subscribe, like, Lots of things happening there. So what are we getting this week? We're getting Origin Story, the visual presentation for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Well, that when this comes out, that's last week. Oh, this sorry, week there will be original content. It's going to be the first week of original content. So Putting if, yourself on the hook here. Oh, I really am. 
Yeah. And yeah, if you if you haven't already, check out the Pop Critic on YouTube. That's the new YouTube channel. It has some double impact stuff, but much, much more. Will you be face to camera this week? I will be face to camera this week after oh. many after some trial and error, emphasis on the error. Uh, Release the mo. Oh man. Oh yeah, I've been cultivating quite a mo here. It's quite a mo. It's quite a mo. Yeah, I was saying to Greg before, yeah, it's the expectation versus reality type of deal. I started this thing off the back of pretty much off the back of three men and a baby, three, three men and a baby. <laughs> but I still had a job then, so I had to be sort of like I couldn't go through the in between stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since I've been unemployed, I'm going full mo. And um, unfortunately, I've turned out more like um, my name is Earl. Yeah, but Jason Scott Lee—that's an honourable second. Jason Lee. Jason, Jason Scott, Scott Lee, Lee would be amazing. He doesn't have a mo. <laughs> The doctor said I'll never fight again too. No, fixed position. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what it is. That's a better uh, line. Uh, wow, we've been, this is more preambles than usual. But I had a spectacular week. I also watched Hocus Pocus. I've never seen that before, <laughs> I realised. I think I'd seen the end of it. Your week sounds far more fun than mine. Yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And more relevant to our show. There was another scary movie I watched and I can't remember. Oh. I've just been getting into it. I'm going to watch something immediately after this, I think. Yeah. I might watch Halloween 3. I think the it sucks. Curse of the Witch? Yeah, the witch one. The witch there's one? no, there's no, no Mike, Myers. Mike Myers. Michael yeah, Myers. Michael Myers, of course. So back to 1978. This movie came out in 1978. I didn't realise that at first. It's a 70s picture. It's a 70s picture. It's a new year. Predating Us. How many films have we done predating us? Um, we've done Wizard of Oz and one other thing and I can't remember. Yeah, damn it. I only remembered Oz as well. First 70s. Definitely our first 70s. So back to 78. Now, best friends of the show, those of us, uh, those of you that listen regularly, uh, you probably know that Tristan's more of the comic book guy out of the two of us. Uh, I get pretty lost as soon as you start talking about them. Yeah, you get this look on your face like Homer Simpson. You know, <laughs> Getting anything explained yeah. to him. <laughs> uh, you know, the ex-Avengers, whatnot. And to be honest, not that I'm that deep into it, but I just am relative to you. Relative to me, yeah. you're... I read comics as a kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was partial to a comic book strip from a newspaper. Oh, yeah? Partial, especially when they were adapted into a cartoon that I could watch. Garfield? Garfield. Hey, how do I know that? You, there's something there. Maybe it's yeah. the Bill Murray connection. Maybe. Maybe. I, did, I loved Garfield, though. He was probably top of the list. Um, maybe not counting Tintin, which was probably longer form content of the... Yeah. Comic book, comic strip variety. Yeah. Um, but yes, everyone's lazy, lasagna-loving, cynical cat. Mm. Garfield was first released properly properly in 1978. Interesting. Um, you know, wide release. Uh, and he's been really one of the most successful comic books or comic strips, I should say, yeah. of all time. So Jim Davis was the writer. You probably remember there's Garfield the cat, his owner John, socially awkward John, and then yeah. – He's a bit like the dad in, in Rick and Morty. He is. I just visualised as I was picturing him, I yeah, got the got wires crossed. Loser vibe. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably both working advertising. Yeah, like a real loser. Advertising loser. <laughs> <sighs> what a loser. It hurts. Who works at advertising? <sighs> Out of the problem, man. The problem. So, yes, Garfield was released this year. Did you have a lot of affinity with Garfield? It was around, I want to say maybe my sister did. I think it was that time where, like, even just visually as a character, you're like, yeah, Garfield, I like Garfield. Did you draw a lot of Garfield? I drew I a probably, lot of Garfield. Yeah, probably drew it, maybe not a lot. So, uh, yeah, I was a big fan, as I say. You know, he taught me to hate Mondays. He 
taught me to love lasagna. Wait, maybe he planted the seed for all of my anxieties. Maybe. Yeah. But he didn't have anxieties though. He just he embraced it. He just knew what he liked. Why does he hate Monday? Because he's just lazy. <laughs> is there any difference for him? Yeah, well, it's a good point you make because he didn't have a job or anything. Um, but I, look, I'd just like to finish on, I think, the understated value of Garfield was his empowerment of the gingers. Wow. Interesting. He was quite the alpha in that in that program and um, as a young ginger, we didn't have a lot of role models in the media. That's true. He didn't have Carrot Top yet. I never understood him as, yeah, a, as a human. I can't tell if he's the butt of the joke or the teller of the joke. Yeah, no, I don't know enough to comment. So you got Susan Sarandon. Sarandon, we do. We do. There's not a lot. Conan O'Brien, I think, in the was, modern era. The, yeah, he was late for me, later. He's the hero you needed. Yeah, yeah. Peter Garfield would have to do. Interesting. Mm. Garfield. Actually. Ginger Trailblazer. So there was a show? There was a show. There was a show Garfield and Friends started in 88. When was that on? Like what was that on? Man, I want to say like. It wasn't ABC. Cheese TV or something? Yeah, maybe. Pre-cheese though. What was Pre-cheese. Pre-cheese. Man, I don't know. I did have a VHS, like a, you know, the one, the puffier ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 To protect Um, the treasure inside the clamshell, they call it. Did they they call it? It was like a clamshell. It was padded. Sometimes it was see through, sometimes it was black. You'd get the premium Disney pictures in a clamshell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big year for Garfield, 78. Mm. Turns out, uh, what a year for movies. It actually was. It really was. It really was. Brand new year. Uh, Freshy fresh. And I was like 70s, you know, uh, it's going to be a mixed bag. But it's pretty fucking solid. It's just, I'll, I'll, I'll name a couple. It's the year of Greece. Yeah. It's the year of Superman. Yeah. It's the year of Jaws 2. <laughs> <laughs> Animal House. Every Which Way But Loose. Hey! Revenge of the Pink Panther, The Omen 2, The Wiz, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. But coming in at number seven this year, number seven. Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal. It was a little independent movie made for a little 300 grand called Halloween. So, yeah, 300, 300 grand budget. It's, it's nothing but a peanut. Wow. Came out in October 1978 on those, that peanut budget with a gross of they say 60 to $70 million, which doesn't sound like a lot by today's standards, but it's the 70s and it was number seven. So that's the equivalent of, I don't know, like based on top tens, 300 million kind of shit. Uh-huh. That's pretty massive for and a it, budget of 300 exactly. grand. So adjusting 300 for inflation, what's that? It's um, It's got to be the highest roamy. The return on movie investment here is off the charts. This is probably the number one, I would say, of any movie we've done. In Romy. Because while while like Avengers Endgame makes a billion dollars, it costs like two, three hundred million dollars to make. So that's only a Romy of like four. It's it's yeah, it's this not, is a Romy of infinite amounts. So three hundred grand in seventy eight is one point two in twenty twenty. We're not used to dealing so far back. That's yeah, where we've come undone. It's uh, compounding interest, I suppose. Oh yeah, it compounds. I wish I had some inflation in my bank account. Oh, Wish someone tam capped me a couple hundred grand. Oh man, seventy eight. Never enough tam. Seventy mil yep. in now. In now. <laughs> in now. Yeah. Is worth two hundred eighty nine point six. I guess what we're saying is this Halloween movie was pretty big. I don't know if you heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
a critic score of 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and audience score of 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I guess you could say it was a big movie, critically acclaimed, audiencely acclaimed, yet for some whatever reason, wow, I think both of us didn't have a rich history with this film. Would I be correct in saying that, Greg? Yeah, yeah, you would, Yeah, uh, Tristan. Yeah. So I don't know why, but I've, I'd never seen this yeah, until me this too. week. Yeah. Jason and Freddie, they were like the two boogeymen I dealt with when the lights went out at 36 Australian Glazeville. Yeah. Two triple one. Um, <laughs> then the only rationale, I did think about it a little bit in the last couple of days. The only rationale I came up with was that Halloween came out in the 70s and the 70s weren't cool. Yeah. Even, you know, they were the decade before and I'm sure people born in the 90s feel that way about the 80s or did at least for a yeah. period. The 80s I think are cool now again, aren't they? They have been for a while. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a cool guy. <laughs> um, however, the 70s certainly weren't cool in the mid 80s. No. So... I don't know. I think that's when the introduction of these sort of slasher fics was Jason and Freddy, certainly. Well, and also you get to the point of all the sequels, I suppose. So your first impression of something like a Halloween. Yeah, because it still kept coming, but I yeah. don't know. I, I can't describe it. But It's you're interesting the same, that you so. were Jason because I wasn't Jason either. Yeah, right. So I had a very similar experience. I, had, I was just – I loved Freddy. I mean, even even yeah, Chucky to an extent mm. that was that was there. Yeah. Candyman was there, like big time. Jason and Michael Myers. We'll get into it a bit more, but I, I think I just uh, I just saw them all as oh yeah, those they're all kind of the same. I think they're okay, I'll, yeah. whatever. There was no urgency to watch them. Yeah, and then I just never did <laughs> for ages. Well, the, the irony is, I realized in preparing my notes, I realized well, no, wait, I, I saw. The 2007 version of Halloween done by Rob Zombie. Mm. Is that his birth name? I assume so, yeah. <laughs> I reckon it's Robert. Robert Zombie. Robert Zombie, yeah, yeah, yeah. The third. Mm. Um, I watched Halloween H2O just a few weeks ago just because it happened yeah. to be on Netflix. But I remember it when it came out because we were at that age, so, cinema going age. And it's not good. <laughs> no. So this is the thing. It's like there's sequels like that and even before and that was supposed to be, you know, that had Jamie Lee Curtis coming back. And Josh Hartnett. None, Hart, none of this was telling me that Halloween is, I knew it was a classic air quotes in terms of it's an old yeah. movie that people like for her. Yeah, huh? a scary movie. I didn't realise to what extent it was a classic because it, it had been diluted so much by all these sequels and copycats and just the genre itself. Um, so I just never, yeah, I never really got into it. And I think the genre wasn't as big here. Like, Michael Maybe. Myers. Well, Halloween isn't as big here. Halloween isn't as big here. Especially when we were kids. Yeah. Oh, We've talked absolutely. about our trick-or-treating stories before. Yeah. The crazy thing is, I'll get into the rewatch, but in hindsight, this is the kind of movie that Film Street and Tristan would have frothed over. I just had no idea that we were yeah. dealing with this kind of movie. It's a little bit like if you watch Rocky Four or Rambo Three. Yeah. You, you, good, you good, might good be dismissive of, of, Rocky. you know, the firsts. Of those Rocky the Foosh. So I think it's that it's the Rocky principle at play here. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It's the, it's the Rambo principle at play, perhaps. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, yeah, but in 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 recent weeks, even I've suddenly realised oh, this John Carpenter is quite interesting, isn't he? Yeah, and see, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've talked about it, and I've been. It's been such a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. It's been one of those. We've talked about this before. When you're a kid, you may not totally right away realise that all those weird, wacky movies with Tim Burton. Uh, it, it's almost it's the same principle, but but embarrassingly late. I didn't realize that John Carpenter did all these movies, man. Yeah, yeah. It was Halloween. He did he did Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, um, I They Live, I which I didn't still... even hadn't even heard of until recently. Which one? Escape from New York. They Live. 
I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. There was we got just some comments about that movie because of um old mate Keith David. Because <laughs> we did our Keith David appreciation post. A lot of people were like, They live, you gotta watch They Live. And I'm like, I never heard of They Live. That's John Carpenter too. There's some Holy big gaps shit. in our game, people. So here we are. Yeah. A couple of this is this is one of those ones, you know, there's certain movies that have a very important place in a lot of people's hearts and in culture and even in film history, I would argue. And I would say that when we chose this movie, we didn't realise we were signing up for such a classic. Yeah, that's true. And having not grown up with it, I just want to put a little caveat out there, having not grown up with it, Uh I I could spend a month researching this movie. Mm -hmm. We have no built-in knowledge of this movie. So everything we're talking about today is really what we've been able to get our heads around in the past week, which... You know, you do movies like Back to the Future, you do movies like Goodfellas and there's this, you feel this responsibility of doing this movie justice. You feel a similar responsibility to this movie but where it's, there's never enough time. Never enough time. It's never enough time. I, yeah, I'd, I'd echo that, uh, which is good and bad because it wasn't until… It's been delightful for us yeah. to have this new thing. Um, but there's a good caveat to say, hey, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to, we're just going to talk about our experiences with this film for the first time. We're not coming into this one as experts. Not no. that we're ever experts necessarily, but you go. We go into a movie like, I don't know, Bloodsport as relative experts. Relative. We come into this one as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed newbies, and we just want to share our experiences in watching this movie. But hey, we're coming from a good place. Coming from a very good place, a, a better place than we even imagined when we chose it. Should I get into the origin story? I think it's time. All right. Origin story. Now, a bit like this movie, this origin story is both interesting and quite simple in that there's a bit going on here, but it's also a pretty traditional origin story. Uh-huh. This stuff happens and then they make the movie. But there's something interesting at play in this origin story that I want to try and highlight from the beginning in that it may be a story of fate in many ways. Keep going. I'll try and come back to that throughout. But a story of fate. I say this because... You know, in many ways, this does all start with John Carpenter, but in other ways, it kind of doesn't. He was handed this idea for the movie from from a third party that that was not his own brain. Yet, in saying that, mm-hmm. film student John Carpenter, actual film student John Carpenter, not not like film student Tristan, who was just a pretentious little guy who watched movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, he was a film student at the University of Southern California. It's, yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing in film studies? Just watching movies, right? I guess so. Well, he made a movie. He just had to pay. <laughs> exactly, right? I did the Tarantino school of movies. Yeah, like the goodwill hunting of film. John Carpenter was an actual film student though, not a bullshit one like I was. And in 1969, while studying at the University of Southern California, he made a, sh- a student film called Captain Voyeur. Mm, sounds sexy. Well, you may take that back because... <laughs> It was a seven-minute movie about a guy in a mask that stalks and then potentially kills a woman. I think it's ambiguous. I watched it today and I I read that he kills her, but then I watched it and there was no – I'm confused. Um, now, when I – in that version of the explanation, it sounds similar to Halloween. It was in some ways. It was quite different in other ways. It was called Captain Voyeur, which I think speaks to the fact that this guy dressed up almost like a bizarre superhero. So he had a cape, very ordinary like falling down type of – Ooh, guy. Yeah, yeah. Cape with no shirt on. Like me. Undies, sock holders, you know, the things that hold your socks up. Ah, yes. Garters. But then like a weird black mask 
And he was just following this woman around, like very voyeuristically watching her through the window, yada, yada, yada. There's some, there, there's some overlap here in the movie we saw this week and this student film. Oh. But this, while this was a student film for him. This what year was this, sorry? 68, okay. 69. Okay, so it's a little bit before, good, good decade or so. 69, yeah, almost a decade before. And don't let this fool you, this was not, his, his ambition was not to make scary movies. He didn't want to be the horror movie guy. This just happened to be a student film he made. And I think in other origin stories of this type of movie, you would imagine it going, and then someone saw this short film and said, let's make it a feature. That's not what happened at all here. He made that student film, it happened, it existed, he moved on. This is where I think fate is interesting because he kind of discarded that. He's like, that wasn't very good. I made a student film. It's very student filmy. It exists. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, he himself was more a fan of uh, sci-fi and westerns and things. Like he always imagined himself as directing an epic western versus a horror movie. So he was a fan of the western. He was a fan of sci-fi. So he was particularly a fan of a movie called Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah. If you remember back to our Naked Gun episode, that was back when Leslie Nielsen was a serious actor. Ah. That starred him. Wow. And if you look closely, it's playing on one of the television screens. It's one of the scary movies the kids are watching oh, yeah. when they're, they're babysitting kids. And The Thing. The Thing. The Thing was also the other one. That's true, which he would go on to the make. The original. A, the original. He would go on to reboot a bit later. Mm. So strangely enough, his his next movie was not sort of the spiritual follow-up to that short film. It was something polar opposite. It was a movie called Dark Star. Oh, yeah. In 1974. This was his first feature film. This was, this was the thing. But get this. It's a sci-fi comedy. Ah. Uh, yeah. Pivot. He pivoted. Hardcore. And um, apparently it was relatively well received. It had a 77% Rotten Tomatoes score. But it couldn't be further away from that student film, or Halloween, right, in many ways. Next he made um, Assault on Precinct 13, which up until this morning I thought was a Lawrence Fishburne film originally. But yeah. apparently that's a reboot as well. The Taking of Felon 49, Ladder 49. <laughs> You're mixing many movies here. Mm. <laughs> the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Just checking they're not yeah, the yeah. same film. No, there's numbers. Yeah. And there's actions. <laughs> Mm. It's one of those. There's verbs. There's verbs. There's doing words. <laughs> <laughs> I always did advanced English, by the way. I did not. <laughs> that one, 98% run tomatoes. So this guy, he's making these movies. They're doing well. That was a, that's like gang violence, uh, you know, a gang assaulting a precinct. Like it's, it's not it's, a slasher movie. No. It's also not a sci-fi comedy, but you, this guy is making all it's kinds well of regarded. movies. It's well regarded. And well regarded. Particularly by a couple of guys. Named Erwin Yablins and Mustafa Akkad. Mm. I think I did pretty well there with um, pronunciations. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, Erwin was an indie film producer and Mustafa was a financier. They were big fans ah. of Assault on Precinct 13. Film financier. Yeah, it's not bad, right? <sighs> That's the dream. Yeah. That's the dream. If a movie costs $300, I can finance that yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, need well a bit, no- bit of notice. Bit of notice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You got yourself a movie. <laughs> bish, bash, bosh. Yeah. Um, so Erwin, the producer, Erwin Yablins, he actually went to Carpenter with the idea, mm. which he was calling at this point the babysitter murders. No, yep. Yeah, the babysitter murders. And, That's um, catchy. Yeah. Well, it kind of is. It's not bad as a concept. Yeah. It's, if you're um, pitching it as a sort of doco. Yeah, maybe. yeah, that's true. 
Well, it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It kind of sounds like a doco, but it could be mm. a good. But yeah, yeah, he. Um, yeah, now I'm back. Yeah. And it was also his idea to set it on Halloween, which was more based around cost saving measures. It's all set in one night. That's minimal costume changes. That's minimal settings. Yada yada yada. Constraints. Yada. Yeah, constraints, baby. It's all about the constraints. And you know, to this. Also, cut, it was free, free, um, unmarked territory at that stage, right? Like apparently, there'd no been one, no Halloween movies. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, well, John Carpenter was like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. As long as I can have creative control. Mm-hmm. And um, Yablin said, you son of a bitch, I'm in. I assume. I assume he said something like that. Um, and then there was a loud handshake? Yeah, like a Dylan, you son of a bitch type yeah. of deal. Yeah. You got yourself a goddamn deal. You got yourself a deal. But here's Carpenter talking about it. And the basic premise was given to me by my distributor, Erwin Yablons, he said, uh, let's do a movie about these babysitters who get stalked by a killer. He figured that everybody could identify with babysitting. So many teenagers had done it. And then a little bit later, he came up with the idea of calling it Halloween. Let's set it on Halloween night and call it Halloween. Never been used as a title before. Never been used at all. It was an underutilized uh, holiday. So great. And I was a young director then. I was hungry for experience, hungry for features. I had done uh, some work before then. I said, sure, why not? So he said, sure, why not? I mean, creative control, you've got to imagine for a young and up-and-coming writer-director. That's, that's pretty exciting. I think I'm developing a new crush. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few new crushes out of this movie. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis also. <laughs> yeah. That's not new for me. Have you not seen Trading Places? A uh, different kind of crush, yeah. more like a like as a as a merit based. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's boob based. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've all got our boob based crushes. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> merit based. Yeah, crush. she's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Carpenter, I've never had a boob based crush on him. Well, not yet. At not least yet. we'll see. Um, so he's in. He's in. <laughs> he's in. <laughs> yeah. And he brings in one Deborah Hill. We worked with on Precinct 13 um, and yeah, that turned out to be a partnership that would echo through the ages. That's nice. Yeah. I think they were dating at the time too. Uh-huh. I'm not totally sure on that. Uh, but they went to town. They wrote a script. Um, they re- they really wrote it together. I know that this is often – it's John Carpenter's thing. But no, they wrote this thing together. It's 50-50. Talk to me about the time frame on that. They wrote it in 10 days. 10 days, people. 10 days. And she had been a babysitter in her younger days. So she kind of brought that element to it. He brought, you know, if you imagine the, the teenage girls, the babysitter, all that kind of dialogue in that world was very much from, from, from Hill, Deborah Hill. Yep. That's and a very, that's a very shrewd and important aspect. Well, it's, 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 it's kind of the basis of the film. <laughs> so this whole setting of the movie, that's the ordinariness of the movie yeah. is her kind of real world input there. Mm. Carpenter brought in, you know, the, the shrink, the evil, the, that stuff. He laid in that stuff. But between them they punched this thing out in 10 days. What a lovely balance. It's a great balance. I mean they went on to work together on I think pretty much every John Carpenter film. But I was sad to learn she passed away in like 2005. She oh, had like, like bowel, bowel cancer or something. Yeah. Like Horrible. pretty instant. She was working right up until she died. Oh. Like she seems like an absolute fucking yeah. legend. Deborah Hill, we salute you. Yeah. Man, she seems like badass. You know, we watched the making of as part of the prep for this, and she was she was 
front and center in all the making of the yeah. interviews and shit. She was the one actually dropping. She insight. wasn't just there. <laughs> she wasn't along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Like you could look at John Carpenter there and go, yeah, he, he didn't have as much to say that was as insightful as what she was bringing to the table. Well, I need to do. A bit. I didn't come across her as much in my notes, so I'll have to. Yeah, she's interesting. She's one of those ones I wanted That's to do more of a deep dive. Maybe when we do the thing or Escape from New York, I think there'll be there'll be if she's as involved as you said. She's the other crush, by the way. There's there's three crushes in this uh-huh. movie now. So absolute legend. They work together, echo through the ages, yada, yada, yada. Now a lot of what they were shooting for here was they were given a concept, yes, but you can see how that concept could be taken in many different ways. You could end up with Halloween H2O, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Halloween 2. Um, but a lot of what they – yeah, Halloween, Halloween 2. Halloween 4. 3, 5. Maybe not 3. 17. Um, but a lot of what they were trying to bring to the table was this ordinariness. Like I said, she was a babysitter. It's a very ordinary thing. It's a very relatable thing. You've yeah. been a babysitter, you've had a babysitter, you've been a baby, you sit. Everyone can relate to a babysitter. Mm-hmm. You've at least heard of the concept. You've heard of the concept. Same goes for the – it could be any old town. They said it in Hodden, Hodden – oh, no, I've had, some, I've had an autocorrect mishap here. Haddonfield. Haddonfield, Illinois, Illinois. Um, which is not a real place, but it could be any place. Yep. Um, it's just any old guy. He's not particularly big. Pretty big. His, he's actually not. Isn't this he? This is the crazy thing, Yeah. I thought so too. It's interesting you say that because I thought he was big too, but then I thought, oh, maybe that's because I watched the Rob Zombie one where he's like six foot 11 or something. Is he? Yeah, he's huge in that. And I was like, oh, maybe I was just projecting. He was, he's like five foot eight or something. He's just very normal. He's strong. He must be strong. Yeah. Powerful guy. He's a powerful guy. Good, good center of gravity. <laughs> he's got a good center Power of gravity. Power to rate ratio is very hard to fight. Yeah, deadlifts. So any old guy, babysitter. Suburban house, a haunted house. Everyone's got that scary house in the area that they kind of walk past a bit faster than the others. That was his thinking. Like there's all of this stuff, all of it is very, very relatable. It makes it scary because it can happen to you. There's less distance between what's happening here and your life. You know, it's uh, yep. It's not, yeah, Jaws, just don't go in the water, you know. This is like, no, but it's just fucking anywhere. It's just yeah. some guy. I don't even know what he looks like. He's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. That's what they were bringing to this movie. Right he could be out there right now looking. In the park? Just I, did, I, well, I did park. get memories. I remember my story on the Freddy Krueger episode yeah. of the guy in the backyard yes. at my house when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Stole my mum's underwear off the clothesline <laughs> as it turned out. As it turned out, that really that helped me with that story. Had he not stolen the panties. <laughs> you wouldn't have remembered it. No, no, I would have you would been, have been more scared. Been more scared. Yeah. But he was just after the panties. It was scary at the time though. For those yeah, that haven't heard that episode, go and listen to it. But the, the short version is I was a little kid, woke up really early, it was still dark outside and I could see someone in the backyard standing there. Basically like a Michael Myers type, yeah. the boogeyman type of deal. Boogeyman. And all the tension was cut by the fact that he was just stealing my mother's underwear off the line. Uh, but that's, that's got other issues. Yeah. And, and, a, and that was in reference to a, another story that Wes Craven's Talks about for the origin of Freddy, which yeah. you should go and check out the origin story on uh, Pop Critic on YouTube for. You should because it's fascinating. <laughs> it is. It's good stuff. Is Freddy Krueger based on scary. true events? Kinda. Kinda. It's a scary story. Yeah. Where were we? Where were we? So now, interestingly, well, I don't want to say this is beef, but it's it's interesting. Let's just leave it at that. It's interesting. There's a movie called Black Christmas which came out before this, made by Bob Clark. Someone who John Carpenter, I guess, became friends with on some level. Um, Black Christmas is also about a fairly anonymous slasher going to 
kill women. Happens to be on Christmas, not Halloween. But apparently Carpenter had asked him if he had planned to do a sequel. He said no. You know, why would I? Moving on. He says, but if you did, what would you do? He said, I would say he escaped from a mental institute and it's set on Halloween and I'd call it Halloween. Nice. Again, he he doesn't say he copied it. He's like, hey, Halloween is his movie. He was given that idea from a third party. So I'm not saying he stole this idea. But what I say to this again, is this the element of fate once again? He made a movie about a guy that stalks a woman. He then comes from a, a, a third party, brings him this idea of Halloween and blah, 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 blah. And then another person has the same conversation with him about this type of movie again. It, was it always going to happen? Mm. Interesting. The answer is yes. I guess so. Because it did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and if you didn't need yeah. a recap on time travel principles, yeah, you can't go into the future. hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. And you can't go in the past because it already happened. Yeah. So you can't time you're travel. You're stuck where you are, people. Yeah, you're stuck where you are. Get used to it. Get used to it. Start uh, living. <laughs> get busy living or get busy dying. Now, as I said, core to this was was the relatability and I guess the the also almost like the blank slate nature of it. It could be anywhere, it could be you, it could be any person, yada, yada. And I guess the personification of that is Michael Myers himself, just a guy, no real backstory. What I thought about doing was not giving the antagonist, Michael Myers, really much of a backstory, but kind of kicking him up into a a legendary kind of of situation where he's much more like an element of nature. Because I thought that would be more frightening rather than personifying, make him almost a force. So then the mask, which ties in with Halloween, would blank out his human features for most of the film, making him then... uh, just some some sort of force of evil that is uh, irrational, unstoppable. But it's interesting in these docos. That was a, that was a clip from the making of that I found. But um, it's interesting. You may have heard it there. They keep calling him the Shape. Yeah. They don't call him Michael Myers. They call him the Shape, mm. which is something. I, again, maybe this is common knowledge to the fans of this movie. But I think it is. This was new. It was in the script, right? Yeah. Well, and of- I think I mean we'll probably get into the rewatch and the breakdown and that kind of thing, but. I guess there's more, well, it's ambiguous, I suppose, but it's open to supernatural elements and things. Anyway, I think uh, being a Halloween movie, this guy gets to wear a mask. That was part of the, oh, it's Halloween. This guy should wear a mask. That that sounds good. What mask does he wear? And I think this is the part of the story. I'm not going to tell this story because I feel like this is an infamous story. Yeah. It's a Captain Kirk mask essentially, um, but I'll let the costume department explain exactly what went down here john sent me out to find the perfect mask or to create the perfect mask for the movie and it was simply to be a kind of a blank face so tommy lee wallace the production designer ran up to the mask shop on hollywood boulevard and bought a couple one was a clown mask and that's you know one way to go and the other he got this william shatner uh, star trek mask (laughs) captain kirk because in mask form, the William Shatner mask was just a kind of a blank face. It didn't really look like anybody. And he cut the eye holes out a little bit bigger so they weren't like this. They were rounder. Tore off the eyebrows. I kind of poofed up the hair a little so it looked demented and strange. And I spray painted it whiter than it already was. Daddy. Took off the sideburns. Oh, it created a shiver right in the room. And we knew we had something special. If you heard there, they also did have a clown mask that was like, well, you know, should we do a clown mask? That's kind of scary. 
But there was something scary about just this blank slate. Again, it comes back to this blank slate. There's so much ambiguity there. Of You know, you make up your own little story when you see a face like that. Mm. Who's, what is that? Who's behind there? Versus a clown, it's almost just kind of distracting. Um, and I'll round out the origin story. Let's talk about casting. Look, there are some precasties, but being that it's not the 80s and 90s, they're not as juicy. <laughs> yeah. As some, you know, there's no Mel Gibson uh, in the role of, you know, the, the doctor or whatever. There's no Steven Seagal as Laurie. You know, we don't really get mm. those kind of precasties here. But there was Christopher Lee as the doctor, Dr. Sam Loomis. He said no. Apparently went on to say one of his biggest regrets. For Laurie, now in hindsight, I think this may be a joke taken out of context in. I saw this on Wikipedia and I saw it on IMDb Trivia, which is questionable at the best of times. But apparently Carpenter didn't necessarily want uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for Laurie initially. He wanted a different daughter of someone famous and Lockhart, the daughter of June Lockhart from Lassie. Now I can imagine that being banter because Jamie Lee Curtis is, is the daughter of you know, orig- one of the original Scream Queens in Psycho, mm-hmm. he's, I think I forgot to mention that, Carpenter is a massive fan of Hitchcock and Psycho in particular. Yeah. What better way to pay homage mm-hmm. to his hero than casting the daughter of that original Scream Queen? It's the next-gen Scream it is, Queen. It makes sense. I could imagine some banter was like, yeah, no, I actually wanted the, rather than the daughter of the Psycho lady, I wanted the daughter of the Lassie lady. That would make sense. That makes no sense. Surely, right? Surely. Anyway, what we ended up with was, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis, the daughter of Janet Lee, the From original Lassie. Scream Queen. We ended up with Donald, Pleasant, Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Lewis. And as Michael Myers, we had Nick Castle, who's actually not really an actor. He's, he's a filmmaking made of Carpenter. Uh-huh. Um, he was Michael Myers you know, 99% of the time. That one scene where he had the mask taken off, that was an actor by the name of Tony Moran, some dude. He was in a couple other things, but, mm. you know. Ultimately, they get they get these people hanging out on an ordinary street, hanging yep. out with ordinary people, being babysitters and whatnot, maybe mm-hmm. having a little bit of sex when they shouldn't. Slash, 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 you guys have a movie, Rap Party, The Viper. And slash, slash, slash. Nice, yeah. Yeah, nice yeah, little, little, little twist. A spooktacular twist. Ooh. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. <laughs> trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. Totally charted. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a... Halloween. 
okay with it. Come on out. trailer not bad it's a yeah. long, long trailer yeah look we talked through a bit of it yeah <laughs> um so for us why don't i yeah for the benefit of myself could you please tell me what happened in this movie yeah since i didn't pay attention yeah to no trailer. happy to you you put a lot of effort into the origin story it's the least i can do oh appreciate it um so as you saw in the trailer it's halloween night 1963 haddonfield illinois mm. We're revealed that via caption mm. at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And then we open on a first-person shot. Yep. Someone snooping around a quiet suburban house. Then through the eyes of a person. Yes, the shape. We enter the house. We take a large knife from the kitchen drawer, eerily waking, making our way upstairs. We find... Naked young lady brushing her hair. Mm. Michael, she moans, then a flash of steel, a loud scream. Our murderer stabs and stabs and stabs. Quite raw sounding too. Yeah. These days we have such comical sound effects in movies. Yeah, this was... Hearing just a simple like... Yeah. was like kind of made it... A little uneventful, wasn't it? Well, uneventful, but also like like unsettling. Yeah. Like low-key. It was kind of low-key. Yeah. Yeah. Our murderer then makes his way way, Mm. outside and approaches a couple of adult figures that seem unfazed by confronted, uh, when being confronted by our killer, more perplexed. Mm. Michael, they say, pan out to one of the adults, revealing the clown mask off. A young boy, mm. and we realise that the killer, standing there holding a twenty-six centimetre chef's knife, mm. is a young boy. Then we pan forward to nineteen seventy-eight. We learn that Michael has been incarcerated since that attack. Mm. He hasn't spoken a word in fifteen years, and his doctor is on his way to pick him up to transport him to another trial. He's explaining this to a nurse that is accompanying him. His objective is to keep him behind bars. But as the courts insist, he has to be trialled every once in a while to see if he's eligible for parole or mm. such. It's a wild, windy, rainy night. They probably you know, should have done this with some guards. Yeah. Uh, perhaps during the day as well. Yeah. 
But hey, look, as far as gaps go, it's a small, it's a gap, but you know, you roll with it, right? Yeah. I missed it. So, guess what? What? Michael escapes. And it's Halloween once again. We're back to Halloween. Mm. 15 years later. No. No. He's heading back to Haddonfield. We cut back to Haddonfield. Eve, Halloween Eve. Eve, Halloween Eve. Yeah. We meet Laurie Strode, a young intellectual introvert. She wears long skirts and cardigans. <laughs> Michael Myers follows her around town. Follows her around town. It's very creepy. Yeah. And he starts killing people. Also creepy. With a big knife. Very creepy. He also has a mask. Very creepy. And uh, I won't spoil it from you. <laughs> Less of a love story. Lots of sex, but then you die soon after. Yeah, the old death after sex is common. It's a common trope, isn't it, in these slash Yeah, I've got a bit on that later. I mean, it's like when we talked about, um, we talked about, I know we did last summer and how that was based on the old urban legends of, you know, the top, the going out to make out point and make scratching out point. on the car. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these urban legends of scary things like this were to deter kids from having sex. So it's interesting that it's, it's still kind of a trope movie today, but we'll get into that. Mm. Greg, the way you talked about the, the, the plot synopsis there, so for you, I'm curious about this, for you was it like a bit of a little mini plot twist that it was a kid in the beginning? Yep. Ah, cool. See, I wish I'd got that because I, I watched the Rob Zombie version in 2007. That was a given. I, feel, I wish I had that feeling of like, oh. oh, whoa, that was a kid? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. It was good. Yeah. that's. I feel like that about a lot of this movie. I feel like I watched this more in a more pure experience because there's a lot of things like that where I'm like, oh, the, for the first time though, that would have been really yeah, it was, something. Yeah, it was crisp. And yeah. A you, single take too, that that whole thing. Yeah, well, which is the style now. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Who's the guy? Scorsese. No, no, no. Scorsese. The, 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 very, the guy doing it oh, now. Oh, Birdman. Yeah, Birdman Man. He's got a yeah. Spanish name I want to hear you have a crack at. Alejandro Gonzalez Inaratu. So, you know, those names are easier. I think it's more the, the, the they're in little areas that aren't names I've heard before. Mm, Mongolia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so how was the rewatch for you? It sounds like this, uh, you're, uh, you're projecting to light. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I wasn't sure, to be honest, because I watched it before what you. what I thought or what you thought? When I first, because I watched it before you, I think, earlier in the week. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't know, I wonder if Greg's going to like this. Because it is a bit slow. Not to say that you wouldn't like it just because it's slow, but it's just, I don't know, maybe it's not forever. I don't know. It's, I was very I curious. loved it. Yeah. I was... I was genuinely disappointed that I couldn't get Carol to watch it with me. I feel like that now. In hind- Ara was on the couch, but she was just on TikTok. Yeah. But now I'm like, I wish we just watched this properly together. Like at a cinema. Imagine watching this at a cinema. Yeah. Fuck. It's, it would have been great. Imagine watching this at a cinema in 1978. Oh, my goodness. And seeing that shit for the first time. That's a kid. What the fuck? It would like, have blown your stuff. mind. And because it's scary. And the context of the time, again, like a lot of, there were slasher movies, it wasn't the first one, but a lot of them were pretty stupid. And so this is like a, a slow burn, there's a lot of tension here. Oh. To have that shared atmosphere on the big screen and it's beautifully shot, the music is good. What oh, an experience yeah, this would have been. Time. And the, the, the way the tension builds is the way tension should build, i.e. little things that are inconsequential 
yeah. add up. Yeah. To the and then okay. okay. I mean, it's like Jaws as well, right? Like yeah. he doesn't. Aside from that opening scene you just described, he doesn't really kill anyone for the first hour. No, it's the it's like kind of like the final. It's just no, 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 no. Yeah. Nah, nah. Just work, work in the waters. Work in the waters, man. So my my first, it's 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 interesting because my initial notes upon watching this movie, which turned out to be for the first time, was a lot of questions. But then, as I went further into the movie, maybe by the end of the movie, and maybe in contemplating the movie post view, was like, oh, that's kind of the point. Because mm. I was like, well. Yeah. I'm so groomed now with these modern movies of having every little thing explained. You know, Batman has bat ears because there's antennas in there, Christopher Nolan says. Not oh. because he's just a crazy person that dresses like a bat. You know, I have issues with this. But the movies have groomed us to expect these explanations for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, one of my first notes was, well, why Laurie? Well, where did he get the mask? It doesn't really matter. Mm. It's just, it's such a weird, it's such a simple movie in so many yeah. ways. Um, and if you describe it, I mean, I love your plot synopsis, but if I was to just describe this really briefly to someone, it just sounds like any other slash movie. But there's there's so much artistry to it and like tension to it, and I think the the part where I first decided because the the kid thing wasn't such a revelation for me because I watched yeah. the, the reboot, the part that really transformed it into like a lean forward kind of movie for me was when he one of the first Laurie encounters. I knew what you were going to say over the shoulder. You and he's Him just watching her in the doorway of the old house, and she's dropping the key off. Oh no, not that ah. one. I mean, that was that was cool too. But the part where I was like, "Whoa, this is interesting." Which one are you talking about? Sorry, I think he had just hidden behind the bushes when she's like, "Oh, he wants to date you." The friend was like, "Yeah, it was one of the early ones." Yeah, yeah. Anyway, then she's walking away, and then we get it from his point of view oh, again, yeah. behind the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. But it just lingers for so long. Yeah, of her walking away. And you don't see his, it's still from the behind him, but you see his shoulder and half of his, the back yeah. of his head. Yeah, yeah. And you just hear the breathing. But it just stays like that for, for like an uncomfortably long time. Mm. And I don't know, just something, something tingled in me, <laughs> which oh, is like, really? this is weird. Yeah. This good. is different. This is something. And so, like, for, pretty much for the rest of the movie from that point, I'm like, oh, okay, wait, I've got to reshuffle. Yeah. I got <laughs> I mean, to put I the phone down. Earlier. Put the phone down, kind mine, of. Thing. Mine yeah. came. Which was a bit of a like, maybe you could say it was a ch- cheaper surprise, but yeah, when she drops the key off, yeah, that is good too. And he just sort of appears. And, oh, oh, I was like, okay, yeah, there's some jumpiness. Yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Oh, man, there's a lot. I think the other thing that I realized, like we were saying in the preamble here, I don't think we realized quite what we were, what we were signing up for in choosing this movie. Like, definitely this, not. This turned out definitely. to be. A, a fucking classic. Yeah. <laughs> and like almost like an art house film in a lot of ways. Predominantly. Yeah. It's film noir. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, he talks about it as being an exploitation film, which I I can kind of see, but at the same time, it's very slow and like beautifully shot and Yeah. It's got a something, it's man. got a very particular look and feel. <laughs> yeah. Like it's I mean consistent. there's no, there's pretty much no blood. Yeah, yeah. So this is the thing. I was expecting, well, like I said, a lot of explanation. I was expecting, I was expecting a lot of gore. There's not. I mean, it's brutal. The one when he murders the girl in the car. Yeah, that's fucking brutal, man. Like it's, it's not gory, but it, it's it's more. It's this. It makes you feel weird. 
it's, 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 yeah, it's very yeah, uncomfortable. I think it's particularly unsettling and I haven't watched many slasher flicks yeah. these days but watching a man kill a woman. Yeah, is, especially when he's first just kind of choking her. Yeah. And yeah, he's obviously, just, like stabbing a woman is horrible too. But it's I guess you desensitize or something. There's something to the very visceral, the brutality the, and the yeah. the manual labor involved and the struggle involved of that part. Yeah, it's almost like it was a relief when he stabbed her a little bit. Like <laughs> it was, it kind of was. It was like yeah. I know she's gonna die. Can you just come on, man? Come yeah, on, come on. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I think the whole thing is just so simple and understated. Yeah. I think understated is the thing that it's a lesson in subtlety. Yeah, less in many is more. Ways. Less is more. Even yeah. the opening credits, there's the pumpkin. Yeah, and it's just like so. Oh man, like, <laughs> you just don't get that anymore. Yeah. in the world, everything is just so. Yeah, <laughs> you can see my hand gestures there. It was I was implying too much? Everything's a bit much. Um, Bruce is getting towards the age of a young Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, jeez. I the kitchen knives. Doesn't have an older sister. Ah, good news. You're, you're all good then, I think. Lori, Lola, oh, younger oh. sister. In the 2007 Rob Zombie version, Lori is his sister. Yeah. I thought, oh, I thought that was a revelation that comes out in the sequels or something. Yeah, well, I think, so I went into this thinking that it was, there was some connection there. That's why one of my first questions was, wait, why Laurie? I didn't remember exactly the Rob Zombie version until I rewatched it after. And, uh, yeah, he made it that there were siblings in the reboot, but I, I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure they're not in this. The right? original, okay. It's yeah. just it's just more of a well, random. Well, the name's different. Yeah, it's just a random, Chicken just random in, in the this town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for whatever reason, as a crazy person, he just gets a bit infatuated with. Well, that's with. the. Well, That's I the think, power in it, right? Exactly. I think we're touching on the thing that really separates this from and the, the re- And the, well, probably that makes it more realistic as well, right? Like, exactly. Be- we were talking about this pre-show as well in that a lot of what we don't necessarily understand as dudes is, you know, they mentioned this in the making of especially Deborah Hill, is like for a lot of women this is very relatable. Yeah. The idea that you're being followed by a dude, it's fucked uply relatable. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's something we don't think about that much. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think we touched on a few reasons why I think this is in a whole league of its own compared to some of the others in terms of the genre and in terms of the sequels. But the fact that it is pretty psychological, it's not really a gore fest. It's not. It's suspense driven. It's, it's yeah. You mentioned um, earlier that it was, uh, that he was a big Hitchcock fan. Yeah. Like it's pretty. Hitchcock-y You're right. and yeah, Hitchcock. His whole thing is there's no fear in the in the act; it's fear in the anticipation. Of that's the right. Act. It's yeah. the build up. It's the yeah. build up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, you look at Psycho. I think there was very little blood in that. And that's shower yeah. scene. Apparently, you just well, see it going down the drain, just down the drain at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, so he obviously borrowed or was influenced by that. Yeah, yeah, and I think the I'm not a gornography guy. Yeah, same. I, I mean. I've had I've dabbled, but it gets old quick, and you get uncomfortably desensitized pretty quick. Yeah, and then you feel weird as a human. Yeah, why, like, why am, am I, I watching, watching this? all of these? Yeah, why am I watching this? And then I was watching, you know, you go down YouTube rabbit holes in preparation for these episodes, and I went down one, and I was watching a YouTube video of some guy, and it's like, I much prefer Halloween too. It's you know the deaths are more violent, and the oh, you're really? explaining like 
that sounds fucked up, man. <laughs> do you not do you not feel weird saying that? That you in yes, it, it's it's still violent, but to say that that's the thing that you enjoy is kind of weird. It's a weird thing to, and maybe you don't know how to articulate it otherwise because I'm struggling to articulate it too. But it's a weird thing to say. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, definitely. And yeah. but just from our experience point of view, I just get more out of the subtleties. You know, yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I got an imagination. Make it work. Less can be more. And I think that extends all the way to Michael Myers in terms of the way he was acting as well because this could have easily become, you know, oh, what, I'm, I'm a crazy person so I'll act crazy, yada, yada, yada. Um, Nick Castle, the guy that essentially played Michael Myers for most of this, it was like, all right, so I'm, I'm shooting this thing. What's my motivation? What am I doing here? Yeah. Like well, how should I walk? How should I do He's this? Like, hmm. John Carpenter's like, just fucking walk. Like just remove it all from your brain. Nick was suggesting all sorts of of attributes uh, that he could play to this character, thinking, okay, is is he really a psychop? Is he really crazy? Is he somebody who's insane? Does he have any of the the kind of uh, schizophrenic movements that we we kind of associate with mental illness? And I just told him to be simple with it. Basically, with it, when he's watching something or someone, uh, stand still. Uh, just move very gracefully because Nick can do that. Make this this killer almost a blank slate that we can project everything into and make it much more horrifying. Again, less is more. Less mm-hmm. is more. In less capable hands, that would have been some crazy person. I mean, again, it's a it's a bit like how we talk about the original It movie versus the yeah the modern one. I mean, there's definitely lots of problems with the original one, but. But the clown nah. itself is simple. It's just a creepy more, old guy. That more looks like pedophilic. Exactly. Um, now this is in uh, stark contrast to the Rob Zombie version. So I will touch on this a little bit here because I think that did kind of spoil my viewing here. And not that it's a terrible film, but it's just very, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I would expect. And so it kind of... I watched that movie randomly in the US on Halloween when they're just showing all Halloween-style movies. It was just like just another slasher. And in re-watching it this week after watching this movie, I realised why I guess, well, A, a lot of the, the viewing of this movie was spoiled, but B, why my expectations were so low because it, all the things we just said were great about this movie, he kind of does the opposite of. Mm. I don't want to shit on him. I don't mean it in a... If you're doing a reboot, I respect that he's trying to do something different. Uh, what he did, I, I didn't respect. like. <laughs> I, oh, I didn't like it. So basically, he did create a whole detailed backstory of Michael Myers, which is just kind of takes you know, the whole thing of being out. You bring your own. You can project whatever you want onto this blank slate. Why is he there? Why Laurie? Why Halloween? All these questions. These are all just answered <laughs> for him. He probably enjoyed writing that. Yeah, and I can understand why he did. Because, again, what what would be the point of just remaking it the same as it was? But it does just kind of take a lot of the meh out of it. I don't know if you've seen any other Rob Zombie movies. What else did he make? He's done like he did a remake of House of a Thousand Corpses, I think. Oh, no. Hills Have no, Eyes. No, no, that's his one, House of a Thousand Corpses. He did it. He re- remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Texas he, Chainsaw Massacre. That wasn't him, but that's very much the vibe of his version of this. So here is he brings this hillbilly horror to it. I don't, yeah. I, that might be ignorant for me to say, but it's very like Michael Myers grew up in a house with an abusive stepdad that was like, you know, inappropriate to the daughter and like yeah. Yeah, all that kind of, hey, 
hey, go get a job, you piece of shit. Like that just, I don't know. That He didn't say that. But it's just that very. <laughs> well, I can't get a job because they took my job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a whole lot of that. Yeah. And uh, I get what he's going for and it's, it's fine. Like, but it definitely doesn't have. Like Anne Hesh's house in that movie we watched. <laughs> what? what movie? Did uh, I know what he did last summer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That. It's it's actually very similar to the house that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy grew up. It's almost like yes. the backstory of him. Yeah, kind of didn't work for me. Mm. Didn't work for <laughs> didn't work for John Carpenter either. Oh, go on. Well, I would say nice things about him, but you know, we did this. Uh, Let's talk about Rob Zombie. I thought it was it was going to be a real cool deal for the History Channel, the Biography Channel, whatever that is. They were going to do about Halloween. I thought, ooh, that's pretty cool. Until I noticed that they did one on Caddyshack. And I thought, wow, what is this? Anyway, they interviewed him on that, on that biography and channel, and he lied about me. He said I was very cold to him when he told me I was going to, and that he was going to make it. Nothing could be further from the truth. I said, make it your own movie, man. You know, this is yours now. Don't worry about me. I was incredibly supportive. Why that piece of shit lied, I don't know. <laughs> he had no reason to. Why did he do it? So, frankly, uh, that will color my response to the film. Uh, if I take that away, I, I did not. I, I thought that he took away the mystique of the, of the story by explaining too much about the guy. I don't care about that. It's supposed to be a force of nature. He's supposed to be almost supernatural. Knowing about that I was, and he was too big. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't normal. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you're right. We're speaking off mic just there, where it's like you would have to deal with some all kinds of characters there, and I don't know who's in right or wrong there in the Hollywoods. Yeah, because John Carpenter, yeah, great filmmaker, might be a bit of a dick. Rob Zombie might be a bit of a dick. I don't know. <laughs> I've Chances lost are they're really. going to be both at least seventy percent. Sorry. 30% dip. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I watched I watched that this week and I tend to agree with what he was saying. I also watched the original Friday the 13th this week. Yeah. More out of curiosity because I was like, well, I've just watched Halloween. I didn't realise what I was dealing with here. We're talking about a cinematic masterpiece here. I want to watch – I've always had these two merged in my head. Yeah. I, even when I was doing research, I sometimes searched Jason instead of Michael Myers just by accident. Mm-hmm. I've got to watch it as a reference point. And what I found was, I think I said to you earlier this week already, was that it's uh, it's not the same, man. Yeah. It's kind of the, uh, I can't remember what I said to you before. Oh, it's the, a shark's tale to to, <laughs> to Nemo. To Halloween's Finding Nemo. It's it's the ants to, it's, to the bug's life. It's <laughs> either the volcano or Dante's Peak to volcano or Dante's Peak. I'm not sure. Whichever. Well, this it's not even the same thing because it's not a twin movie. <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth came out just about the right time for it to be a ripoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have the same. I do love the vibe of it being a summer camp. Yep, that's kind of cool. Setting. And it's camp leaders and like camp counselors, whatever you call them. It's good that's for cool. kids going to camp every year. Yeah, like that's kind of cool. I do like that. But in terms of then the movie itself, it's it doesn't hold a candle to this. This is next level. It's not a bad movie. It's just fine. And that's what I expected this movie to be. Just, oh, it's, it's going to be a fun slasher movie. Yeah. That's what that was. This is, this transcends, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was kind of the OG in many ways for that sort of suburban horror, right? Like, yeah. 
you had your horror movies that were kind of always about literal monsters. Yeah, the Frankensteins and Frankensteins, such. vampires. Dracula. Yeah, Das yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, apart from that, they were kind of away from suburbia. They were in castles or, you know, exotic yeah. foreign lands. Yeah, yeah. Church, at the top of some churches there perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Myers, thanks to John, brought the horror into our neighbourhood. Yeah. You know, right to our doorstep. To just that some creepy of, guy. He's just some creepy guy creeping around your quiet little neighbourhood as you babysit. It's the kind of thing where, yeah, you can, if you think about it too much, <laughs> it can really fuck you up. <laughs> Perfect. Like there's no, yeah, that's that's legit horror, right? That's the setting and I think that's kind of like, as I say, Jason – and like Freddie again, right? He goes beyond that and he goes, "Well, I'm not going to get you in your neighborhood. I'll get you in your dreams." Yeah, and that's while that, you sleep. And that's so that's obviously less realistic, but also equally as scary because you have dreams and they are irrational and they are surreal. So uh-huh. you can just as likely be in there, even though it's a lot crazier, less every day, yada yada yada. And I guess Freddie as well. Obviously, that came a few years later. Yeah, but it's a it's a build on the same. Like, it's, well, they he chose Elm Street because every town had an Elm Street. Correct, right? So it's about being just very ordinary. So is it fair to, to say you. that this has kind of all come from John Carpenter's so. influence? I think so. Feels like it. It feels like it, and I think the uh, enough, I've heard enough because <laughs> there's been a few before. Because there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there was Black Christmas, there were a few others that I think. Look, maybe this is the this is the iPod where it's like maybe you didn't invent it, but it kind of like perfected mm, okay. <laughs> those things. Yeah, I think it definitely brought it definitely brought more of the everydayness to it. Yeah, to yeah. your point, like it definitely brought that was like the the special source. I think yeah, that then went on to be copied, copied, copied and copied. copied. Hey, uh, I mentioned earlier like the film noir vibes of this thing. Oh yeah, and I was thinking film noir is pretty great for horror, really, isn't it? Yeah. I thought I'd go a little bit of a way to give a layman's ex- description of film noir and how we might know it, if I may, mm. if I could indulge our listeners Absolutely. for a moment. Um, so film noir, by definition, it's kind of a genre, it's kind of a subgenre. Kind of an aesthetic almost. Kind of an aesthetic, yeah. it's a vibe, it's Marbo. <laughs> it sort of came about in these post-World War II crime dramas. There was a kind of cynical, pessimistic tone you got dark and cynical characters. That was more the the vibe, I guess. Yeah. Quite often they were crime thriller dramas. Yeah. Aesthetically, a lot of dark uh, and light contrast. Yeah. You can't see here too. Yeah. Some of the OGs for for the era were Double Indemnity, Citizen Kane. Oh uh, yeah. Those type of films. Then the more modern versions, The Godfathers. Oh uh, yeah. Have that vibe. Uh, Chinatown's a pretty famous one with Jack Nicholson. Which I think there was some – I think he was a fan of that too. There was something they borrowed from that movie for this. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, more recently you got LA Confidential. Yeah. Most Things by David Lynch. Yeah. So, yeah, it's this pessimistic outlook. Yeah, it is. Well, often as well with film noir they have like uh, the voiceover. The voiceover. Which sometimes – can ruin it too because like Blade Runner sort of had a film film noir vibe to it, like a neo-noir vibe to it. Big time. And, um, you know, the non-director's cut version has the voyo. voyo. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to add inside if I was saying voiceover or VO. Yeah. It has the VO in it and it kind of 
kills the vibe, the vibe. ironically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can imagine, again, I think it's awesome that Carpenter had full creative control over this because you can imagine if this wasn't an independent thing and the studio's involved, it's like, it's too ambiguous. Let's add voiceover. Explain it. Yeah, let's we add need, voiceover. We need some, we so need I'm glad that it left that part of film noir Absolutely. Apparently there's also uh, semi-noir. Ooh. Or otherwise known as grey films. Grey films. Somewhat of a hybrid. Interesting. Um, so I think this probably falls into that bucket. So Psycho might be in that bucket as well. Uh, okay. But, yeah, as I say from the top there, the horror films and, and noir get nice and blurry because you've Exorcist is in that bu- bucket, even Seven. Yeah, Seven's yeah, pretty yeah, noir, yeah, yeah, right? It's pretty like noir. it's raining the whole time. Yeah. It's dark. Brad Pitt's eating all the time. He's always eating. <laughs> we can't explain that because he stays so thin and his abs are incredible. He's got abby dabbies for days. But it's it's dark and basically pessimistic, you know, and cynical. Yeah. It's it's like there's dread in the air. <laughs> yeah, something bad's about to happen. Yeah. So he and he also borrowed heavily on those like Psycho we talked about. Yeah. He's borrowing there and then Orson Welles apparently was the first person to do that uh that first person tracking shot. Oh, really? Which he used so well in this film, like yeah. the floating cam that just Yeah. You know, obviously for the for the apparently whole like, it was a logistical nightmare. Was it? Yeah, because I think the technology cuz even in Goodfellas it was like a challenge. Cuz yeah. It looks all – and we think about our phones and all this shit these days, but it's like a big bit of yeah, kit yeah, to be yeah, able yeah. to do that. And he couldn't have had the big kit though, right? He, yeah, not. I think most of the – I was reading like most of the budget went to the – For that. The gear. <laughs> yeah, because Jamie Lee Curtis' first film. Yeah, I think I mean, I think the famous guy that played the Doctor, that was like like 20 grand or something for, for three days' work or whatever. Yeah, because so, he's not in it much, right? Yeah, exactly. And – um. Yeah, like it looks all fluid and very easy, but it's like it would have been this huge thing. <laughs> yeah. Would you say it paid dividends? I would say I would say it paid dividends. Mm. Speaking of cash, yeah. they were so poor in this movie, it was shot in spring or something. Oh, yeah. Which is not the season uh, we call autumn or fall. Yeah. Fall. It's spring. It's spring. It's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so they would get the – they had – well, we need to create some foliage. It's Illinois in the spring. We need foliage. Foliage. <laughs> Foli- foliage. <laughs> my little Lisa, my human dictionary. Uh, my library. <laughs> Sorry. La, la, just give us a few <laughs> yeah, notes. No, yeah. I can't do it. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, and so she, oh, she, they painted painted leaves brown. <laughs> really? Literally painted leaves brown. Ah. And then they're like, okay, we're cutting to another shot, but we can't afford to paint any more leaves, so can we just... Pick up those Pick leaves. Pick up those leaves. So uh, someone was there. I'm going to say it's Deborah because she's a workhorse. Yeah, she would have been all over it. Raking up the leaves, the painted leaves, to go and splotch in another spot to, you know, symbolise fall or autumn. Yeah. Which is quite cool. That's mad. And it also made their their lack of cash also, I wouldn't say purely made, but it was probably one of the drivers in why the film's so dark. Yeah, 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 because they didn't have enough lighting. They didn't have enough that. money for lighting. I read that. You've got more lighting. lighting in this room now than they have in the set. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Again, constraint, man. Constraints, constraint. budget constraints. Yeah, this is, These guys are problem solvers. This is Super Mario's moustache all over again. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greatest constraints of all. Um, well, one of the other, I'd call it a legacy item almost, is um, the final girl trope. We talked about this 
on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Yeah. But this is one of, again, maybe not the first, but but probably one of the ones that really solidified the the template, Laurie Strope being the, the final girl in this scenario. Most horror movies, like pretty much every horror, I mean, I feel like this isn't new news necessarily, but I'm going to dive a little deeper. The idea of the final girl is it is the Jamie Lee Curtis of this movie. She's the one that doesn't have sex. She's yeah. more often than not yeah. a brunette. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. She's not a slutty blonde. <laughs> yeah, she, exactly. She's well behaved and therefore she survives. Well, that's an interesting one because that also evolves over time. So why don't I, why don't I get into that? So yeah, basically, yeah, um, yeah, name a horror movie, there's a final girl in it. You got Alice in Friday the 13th, even Ripley in Alien to an extent. You've got Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. You've got Sydney in Scream. They're all oh, final yeah, yeah. girls. In the early days, they were they were very much a damsel in distress type of deal mm. um, who eventually gets saved by a man. And I would say in this movie it is still very much that, like the, the doctor ends up saving the day. Yeah. She holds her own. She, she holds her well. own. But she needs a man. She still needs a man to save her. Yeah. Um, that's evolved over time. Yeah. And now I think that. Figuratively and literally. Yeah. Yeah, and now in in the more modern films, I mentioned Sydney and Scream. Like they are the heroes. They save everyone. They're the protagonists. They're not just like the thing that the bad guy looks at through the window. They are the hero. They are the protagonist. They are owning the fucking scene, which is interesting too. Because when you look at the twenty eighteen sequel that ignores the other sequels of Halloween, that's very much Laurie in in that one. She she kind of reclaims her yeah her ownership of of this. She scenario. goes hunting, right? Yeah, basically, she she's kind of the well, she's not really the Michael Myers, but she she stalks like mm. she is. Yeah, she's post fear, post fear. Yeah. Now, in most of them, there was this great. There's this awesome article on Vox dot com, and they got a good articulation of it. But basically, the, the term "the final girl" was coined by Carol J. Clover in her 1992 book "Men, Women, and Chainsaws: Gender in Modern Horror Film." To, oh, yeah. to refer to the last girl standing at the end of a horror movie, especially a slasher, Clover, a professor with expertise in Scandinavian language and film, points to a common series of traits and f- that final girls have. They're virginal and virtuous. They sometimes have a unisex name. Most of the time they're brunette. Um, and she explains that their existence is a reflection of how society consumes horror and violence. Um, I think I touched on that most of those already. Like they're mostly brunette. They mostly don't have sex. I think a lot of what kind of brought in the evolution of the final girls was films like Scream, uh-huh. like Sydney had sex and she didn't die. Yeah, Sydney it was close. Didn't though. get saved by a man. Um, so I think there's a, there's kind of this this Scream was something that subverted a lot of the tropes. That being one of them, but I think there's kind of this post Scream era mm-hmm. where the final girl has kind of been subverted overall in a good way. Yes. Um, for the best. For the best. But it's interesting too because I think in the same way that Michael Myers has a bit of a – he's a blank slate and you can project whatever the fuck you want onto this guy. I think this movie does as well because this movie, the 1978 Halloween, has been hailed as a feminist movie by a lot of yeah people. Yeah. But Jamie Lee Curtis says it's not. It never meant – it was never meant to be. Yeah. Not that it's, you know – anti-feminist or whatever it's just it's just not that's not what it is and i think if you look at the final girl trope and you see that yeah in those days she was still saved by a man yada 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 that rings kind of true but she has this quote on it she says this movie has bred 1000 phds but in retrospect i know that was not the intention here it was not a feminist statement it had nothing to do with the fact that promiscuous girls died and a virgin lived none of it many people say the intention was something else 
and I'm going to tell you it wasn't. And, and even Carpenter, the way he talks about he it, was said, like, we just made a movie. Like he it was, said the same thing. Yeah. He was like, well, if anything, her sexual tension she, as the virgin yeah. is what drove her ability to push through and fight him off. Oh, really? Did he say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because I was going like, to say. It's, not, it's, got none, it's neither way. Well, it's almost, I was going to say, it doesn't necessarily play in their favour women who have sex get killed. <laughs> That's not a very feminist thing in terms of like owning your sexuality. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So it's def- it's not there. Hearing John Carpenter talk about it, it's almost like hearing George Harrison talk about the Beatles. Like, oh, we're just a band. Mm. <laughs> you know, we just made some songs. Mm. <laughs> it's like we just made a movie. It, mm. was a, it was a cheap movie. I had no idea it was going to be this big. He doesn't hate it or anything, but it's just it's so interesting. We all project this shit on it. We've done it this week and watching it and going, this is amazing and what does it all mean and – it's just a crazy man that goes around and stabs people. Yeah. In saying that though. And it's just beautifully put together. Beautifully put together. In saying that though, one of the things that I kind of, not that I wanted a definitive answer on, but one thing that I did have questions with this movie and I wanted to try to get my head around it. What is my interpretation? If this is all open to interpretation, what's mine? And I got to thinking like, well, why, you know, I had those questions before. Why, why that mask? Why Halloween? And the why Halloween one, stood out to me as like, why? I feel like I need an answer to that one. And the rational answer would be, I suppose, that's the one time of year where he can wear a mask and not stand out. Yep. So he can be ambiguous. Yep. He can be anonymous, sorry. And you can wreak havoc and it all looks like it's just Halloween shenanigans. Yeah, you'd struggle a little bit more in an average day walking down the street. Yeah. Dressed up. And exactly. Anything really. But the way he disappears at the end implies some form of like he can't be killed that got me thinking of well maybe it's halloween because you know halloween the point of halloween is that that's the day of the year where the world of the living and the world of the dead and the demons and whatnot are very close together and so maybe there is a supernatural element where he is actually just fucking evil he is some kind of evil demon in a human form Mm, or something like damien like Damien, kind of. Yeah, that's where I kind of got to. Is it like a Damien scenario? But I love that I don't explain that that's what it is, but it, it just could be. Could be. Could be. Because <laughs> that was the hangover of, you know, we talked about the timeline of horror. Yeah. The occult was kind of the one before this, wasn't it? So you had the Exorcist. Yeah, kind of. The Wicker Man and all those, uh, Rosemary's Baby, they were the. Yeah, true. That was the style at the time it prior was the style to this. The so there might have been a little hangover to like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a little nod to the yeah. occult. Well, Deborah Hill also says she she gives some some substance to what I'm saying here. Um, she said much of the inspiration behind the plot came from Celtic traditions of Halloween, such as the festival of Samhain. I don't know what that is, but although Samhain is not mentioned in the plot of the film, she she explains that. And this is a quote now: the idea that you couldn't kill evil, and that was how we came about the story. Uh, we went back to the old idea of Samhain. I don't know how to fucking say that word. Uh, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living and then came up with a story about the most evil kid who ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret of someone who once lived there and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work. So, I mean, she's not explicitly saying that he is an evil spirit, but there's like... Yeah. It could be there. It could be there because, I mean, if we're being true to the timeline of the origins, putting it on Halloween was an afterthought, wasn't it? Well, not an afterthought but it was was a constraint that they were already given, make it work. So they didn't didn't 
Carpenter and Hill didn't come up with the fact that it's set on Halloween, right. but they had to write a movie that was set on Halloween and they had to make that work. Oh, okay. So I, I look at it it's as different. go, well, yeah. why would it work on Halloween? Well, maybe because that's the day of the year where evil spirits can wreak havoc on the world. Yeah, you know? maybe he was angry because he wanted some candy. Yeah, maybe he just wanted more candy, trick or treat. Yes. <laughs> the trick he took a bit to... He just needed more treats. Aggressive. The, the trick to treat ratio was just way off for him. Mm. So that's why that my personal again. I know this is not the intention necessarily of the film, but where I landed with it was like, oh, there's a, there's a bit of supernatural spice. Yeah, there's something there. There's some unknown there where I'm willing to get on board with something supernatural yeah, involved of in him. I love that, but it's not like one of those ones where they just evolved to be supernatural. Where it's like, wait, oh, so you just can't kill this guy? You know, there's those slasher movies where they just don't die for no reason. Like Jason? Yeah, but I don't know enough about Jason to say that necessarily. Yeah, I but, think he's um, probably in the same. Ballpark. I think he's a bit supernatural. Oh, I don't know. Um, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. Nothing further, Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. So overall thought here, Gregory, I feel like I just want to say to Halloween, I had you all wrong, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> My God, what a straight up classic. Yeah. The quality and artistry of this movie has been diluted by the many sequels and imitators. But 1978's Halloween is not just a classic horror movie, not just a classic Halloween movie. It's a classic movie. Mm, this is, is a classic film. Yeah. Man, a film student, Tristan, if I saw this in 1999, I would have wet my damn pants. Would you have? Well, instead I saw Halloween H2O and was like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I still don't get Josh Hart in it. <laughs> yeah, what about you? I mean, it's a, it's a, it holds yeah, up. Yeah, man, right? it's <laughs> like, it's, as I say, it's the vibe. It's Marbo. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard it's hard to articulate succinctly, but it's just a tightly put together package. Yeah, it's scary. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a scary movie. Yeah, I was I was scared. Yeah, I got good frights out of it. Yeah, which is terrific. Probably not going to keep me up at night because I'm a you know I'm an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I don't Carol, know. I got Carol I there next to me with a baseball bat. She's pretty tough. Man, I told you I was editing the Freddy video quite late. I had to stop. Yeah, like, okay, so I got too enough. creeped out. Because you wear headphones and like who's someone behind well, me? Oh, yeah, and you, you, you <laughs> got a park opposite you. you well, know? I closed those things. Oh, yeah, good but, idea. Now, I, I really enjoy this and I will actively encourage people who don't mind a bit of a fright film. And it's not gory. It's not like it's not like watching Hostel or something. No. Like, it's accessible. You can watch. It's like, it's comfortably uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is good. Like yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. So yeah, people, please watch it if you haven't. Yeah. And and apologies if we're the two if latest. If we're stating the obvious, <laughs> the two latest people. It's like we the do party. the Godfather. Go, hey, this is a pretty good movie. <laughs> did pretty, you guys? Did you realize that Godfather's like really good? <laughs> I think I think that's what we're doing right I now. I think we're totally doing that. But, but thanks for ha- listening. But so hey, we, we you know we had fun. Hey, but also you guys come here for the tests, our patented cultural relevancy tests. Yeah. Did Simpsons do it? I'm sure they did it a number of times, but I have one clip here which is pretty funny. There you go. Well, just whistle a happy tune. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll just be happy too. Bechdel test, I guess it does pass. They talk about they do talk about boys a lot, but they talk about more than boys. They talk about heaps of stuff. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Fuck that's Hey, she does still I know she's a prude and all, but she does still blaze fat one in the car. Does she? Yeah, are they smoking know. weed? I must have missed that bit. Because you know, you don't light a cigarette like that. You don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. light a cigarette that way. Yeah, true. It's the seventies, like, man. Yeah, like yeah. it's right on. You did a good right on face. Um, FX test, yeah, I'd say so. Oh, a hundred percent, two hundred percent. Yeah, no explosions or Molotov cocktails, unfortunately. Oh, three hundred grand's worth. I didn't do any recasting. I didn't do any like recasting. Ben Kingsley, Ben Kingsley, as the doctor, as Loomis. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, what are we doing next week? Oh, oh no, porn parody. Oh yeah, there are porn parodies. It turns out Michael Myers has been very active in the porn. Oh really? Filming game. Oh. There's heaps of clips of Mike people dressed as Mike Myers, Michael Myers. Really? Banging women, probably men in some I didn't find. That's kind of fucked up. I just searched Halloween porn parody Google Images and there's there was one that was Pumpkins. called Halloween a porn parody. Oh, no, there is. I, didn't I, like, did, I, I, I specified Michael Myers. Yeah, that's, that's a better idea because I like the creative titles of the movies. Yeah, but, true. But Halloween... A porn parody is all they all yeah, they had. No, nah, lame. Lame MVP. I Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, low key VP. I'm going. Can we give a director some v, MVP status here? Yeah, why not? And we'll give it to both because of your earlier points around. She didn't. She wasn't co-director. She was co-writer though. Okay. Well, let's just give and it to, producer. Yeah, she's yeah they're, they're so they're I think she painted forces. some leaves. Yeah, I think she this. I think this duo. Is um, really created something out of nothing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, for many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think that's a good call. A non-on-screen MVP is yeah. a great call. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, while we have you here, please leave a review if you haven't already on the old Apple podcast. It helps us uh, get discovered with by like-minded souls. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, for those that have, thank you very, very, very yeah, much. Yeah, we, we got a couple it. of new ones. Thanks, guys. It's we always, like them. It's always a delightful little surprise yeah. to see a little review there. So, yeah, keep them coming if, 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 you, if you got it in you. What are we doing next week? Uh, this has been a long time coming, Greg. It's one of your picks. It's one we've been requested for many, many times. Is it Lockstock? It's Lockstock. Oh, yes. And I haven't, this is going to be a fresh rewatch. I haven't watched this since my 20s. I love this film. I'm really hoping it yeah. doesn't let me down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining once again. Bye.